Empire Saints, welcome to another episode of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. Today, we will discuss part two of how Christians can move away from suffering. I will continue to review more myths, ideas, and concepts that Christians should suffer for Christ. So sit back and learn how to walk in the abundant life Christ died for you to have. Okay, saints, we left off last time about a myth or an idea that sometimes God allows us to suffer so that we may grow spiritually. Um, It is difficult for me to even say some of these ideas or myths or concepts because I know the truth. And I'm doing these messages because I want you to know the truth as well. That's not true, saints. It is simply not true. Jesus Christ did not die on that cross just for the forgiveness of our sins and not just so that we can have salvation, eternal life with God after our lives in here. He died so that we, while we are still here, can have an abundant life. And an abundant life doesn't include suffering. Now, you know that Jesus said, in this life we will have trials, which are temptations and tests. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We keep, we keep forgetting that part. We will allow Satan to, to read a part of a scripture and then exclude the part where God is helping or delivering us. We have to stop that. Now let's explore this myth. You know, you may hear people say, I'm suffering for the Lord. No, they are suffering because they are ignorant of the word of God. They are ignorant of God's will for them. Now, what does the Bible say about this concept? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, we find this. Uh, this is verse 1. And for those of you who don't know, I typically read from the New King James Version. And I'm reading from the New King James Version uh, today, unless I indicate otherwise. Okay, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Verse 2. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The original King James says good. Now, uh, how do we grow? What did that verse tell us? How do we grow? By the word. That's how we grow. That's why I teach so that you can get the word, not opinions, the word. You grow spiritually through the word, not through suffering. Peter didn't say desire the pure milk of suffering, but desire the pure milk of the word. Now, this requires work on our behalf. You have to dig deep. If you want to really know what God's will is for you, you can just sit there and say, or you can't just sit there and say, the Lord put this on me. So I'm suffering to learn a great truth. No, no, no. 
God wants you to grow through his word. Look at 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter tells us twice then that you are to grow in grace and knowledge. There's nothing in, in this scripture about suffering. Absolutely nothing. And it does not say anywhere that you should suffer to obtain knowledge. Now, notice this is not an option, but a command. It says, but grow. It didn't say, well, if you want to grow, or I think you should grow. It says, but grow. You know, again, people often say, well, I learned something from my suffering, or I learned something when I went, um, when I went to jail. And you know what? That is absolutely true. And I am not afraid to tell you, I learned something at a very tender age while I was still in my, my teens uh, about jail. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I learned many years ago that crime doesn't pay. I learned that if I took someone's car without their permission and the authorities caught up with me, they will put me in jail. Oh, yeah. I'm smart today. I learned from that, you know, way back then. And I can promise you, I've never seen the inside of a jail cell since. You know, it only took me a couple of hours to learn. I was in there for a couple of hours. And I'm here to tell you that I knew this was not uh, the place for me to, be, me to be. And I also knew that I didn't have to do that to learn that I should not have done that. And that is what I'm trying to get you guys to understand, you know, that we don't have to go through a trial or temptation or test to go through something or to learn something. Now we can learn something while in a circumstance, but that is not how God wants us to learn. God wants us to learn through his word. Now, had I focused on, you know what, you shouldn't steal, I probably would not have. And I told you guys before, those who follow me on a regular basis, I grew up in a traditional Baptist church that do not teach you grace. It doesn't teach you salvation through grace. It, it has perverted the, the, the grace of God. And I can say that because I grew up in a Baptist church, so nobody can't tell me anything about it. And I've read different denominational teachings and they do not line up with the word of God. Not all of them. Mm -mm. Some of them teach the truth and then some of them will digress and they will start teaching their denominational teachings and traditions. And that's not in line with God. We can't grow with or through your denominational teachings. We can only grow by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You will never find in this Bible where it says faith comes by denominational teachings and denominational teachings by the word of God. You won't find that in there. You won't people. So this idea of concept that, that God allows us to suffer so we can grow spiritually, it just won't hold. It just won't hold. Now God will, uh, through our circumstances, uh, make sure that we learn a lesson in it, but that is not his method of teaching us. It's not. 
so that we can go in our circumstances. Because look, free will is the reason why we fall. Because if we stick with God's word, we won't fall. We won't, people. But free will is the reason why a lot of us fall. Now, the next concept of suffering is similar, but someone more, uh, somewhat more uh, seductive. So let's look at that. It says, and, and I'm, I, I wrote this down because I've heard this taught uh, in a ministry to its people. Yes. And we have people sitting under this false teaching, my sisters and brothers. And it will not help us grow. As a matter of fact, it will help a lot of people fall. And it's, uh, it's one of the reasons why we are falling. And so listen to this and tell me if it sounds familiar to you. God uses suffering and trials to discipline us. Jesus said in Revelations 319, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Our Christian life, if we are to become what God wants us to be, must be one of faith plus suffering. God has his divine plan for shaping our lives. And that plan often includes suffering. The fire of chastening purifies our lives and deepens our spirit. If our Savior was made perfect through suffering, according to Hebrews 2.10, how can we expect to escape? It was so difficult for me, me to even share that because I know it's not true. It's difficult. The Holy Spirit that's in me, when things don't line up with, with the Word and the Holy Spirit, it actually it, it, it convicts my spirit and um it stirs up my spirit i'm here to tell you but it can't stir up your spirit if you don't have the true word in you that is simply not true and just be just because someone quotes a scripture to you doesn't mean that that's what that scripture means so that's why it's important that you look it up you don't take my word for it either look it up and read it read the whole chapter who is the audience who is the writer why is he saying these things and I tell you, it'll take you a long way, my sisters and brothers. Now, on the surface, again, some of this may sound logical. It may sound reasonable. If Jesus wants us chastened, who are we to disobey? And if Jesus suffered, indeed, how can we expect to escape? Now, let's begin by looking at how and why Jesus suffered. Now, in John 5, 16, it says, for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. They persecuted him because he had violated uh, their traditions or their protocol. And they were so upset about it. They didn't they didn't want to just merely reprimand Jesus. They wanted to kill him. Boy, I tell you, if they knew who he was, they would have been bowing down. But because religion had blinded them, they had no clue who Jesus was. No clue whatsoever. Now let's look now at John 15, 20, where Jesus says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Both of these references have as their subject persecution, not sickness, not disease or poverty. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it says Jesus was made perfect through the things he suffered. Well, again, what did he suffer? Persecution. 
is what Jesus suffered. That is the only thing he suffered until the final days that he offered himself up as a sacrifice. One of the meanings of the word suffer, as we will see in the second half of this message, is to put up with or to, or to go through. Okay, to put up with or to go through. Jesus suffered, put up with, and went through persecution. But that was all. That was all, people. We can't add anything to this Bible. We can't be like Jesus, but we can follow in his steps of kindness and in his steps of love. Because let me tell you, we can't recreate his crucifixion. <laughs> no, if we die, we get up <laughs> on a cross and nail to the cross and die from it. Let me tell you, we're just somebody that's dead. Look, the veil ain't going to tear from the top to the bottom. It won't split in two. It's not going to thunder and lightning. It's not going to rain like it did when the son of God died on that cross. No, we'll just be a dead human being. You know, he never went to bed hungry, you know, aside from the 40 days in the wilderness where he brought his body under control. Jesus never went to bed hungry, but Jesus was routinely misquoted and misunderstood like he is today. He was lied about and, and, and criticized usually by the very people who should have known better by God. Despite, I'm sorry, despite having a, a, a staff of 12 men whose care he was responsible for, we have no record of scripture that Jesus went with any of his or their needs unmet in the three and a half years of his ministry. There is no recording of it. The disciples ate well. And they always had a roof over their heads. They stayed in each other's mansions. See, that's another teaching. You didn't know the disciples had money. So did the Lord Jesus. And their mission was to take care of the poor, feed the poor, clothe the poor. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to put that in your head because I have a teaching about that coming up uh, soon as well. So you cannot use, you know, that, that method that we are supposed to suffer so that God can teach us something. That's just not going to fly. It, it's not going to fly. Jesus is not an example of why Christians should suffer because the only thing he had to suffer, again, laying aside the last days of his sacrificial death was persecution. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we too will have to go through that, you know, that kind of persecution. If you live in holy, uh-huh. You will be persecuted by, by the false brethren that Jesus talked about that's going to creep into the church. Uh-huh. Those who live in holy will, trust me, suffer persecution for that. Uh-huh. But the devil don't want you living holy. He don't want you doing for others and loving others and forgiving others. He don't want you doing that. See, we're supposed to walk in the fruit of the spirit. Don't forget that. You will be persecuted or criticized or lied about for walking in the fruit of the spirit. There is no way out of that. It's, it's not. It's, it's just no way out of that. Unless you keep your mouth shut and no one knows you are a Christian. Uh-huh. Now, if you stand tall for the Lord and are a threat to the kingdom of darkness, you best believe you will be persecuted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not God causing you to suffer. And we need to understand that as Christians. It's not God causing you to suffer. Now, if once you comprehend that, you will start activating and leaning on your faith in God's will. 
once you learn his will. See, you're learning his will now. You have to receive the truth. And once you understand that it, it's not God behind the cause of the suffering, then you will put your faith to work. Oh, yes. You know, God is just the opposite. It's the enemy who is concerned because he don't want you to be effective in the kingdom of light. Uh-huh. So this concept that suggests that God uses suffering and trials to discipline us won't fly. It won't fly. Jesus said in Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Well, we need to find out what the word chasten means. You know, the English definition of that word implies punishment. But in the original Greek, the word means, and I mean literally, means child train. Now, it is true that sometimes a child in the process of being trained thinks he or she is being punished. You know, there were times that I felt that way before I, I learned the word. Now, um, let's look at another concept of suffering. Uh, then greatly resembles, uh, I think it greatly uh, resembles or the third one that we talked about. And it argues that God chastens us through suffering such as Jesus endured. And in that way, we are made perfect. Now, Jesus, however, su suffered persecution. We just talked about that. He was not sick and he was not destitute. God chastens us, literally meaning child trains us through his word. Yes, through his word. Now, let's move on to another concept uh, or myth uh, or idea. Um, this idea is often stated through scripture. So let's read the scripture. Excuse me. It's in Hebrews 11. Let's see. Hebrews 11. And verse 30 through 35. And it says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Some were delivered and some were not delivered according to the will and plan of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, this is a critical teaching in, in the body of Christ because it's if you don't rightly divide these scriptures, it'll sound like or it will imply that if you don't be delivered, that it is the will of God. And, and if that is the case, that God did not want them delivered, then there should be ample evidence in the Bible of faithful people who despite their faith were not delivered, right? I think that's a fair question, right? Now, let's count the number of escapes and instances of deliverance we find in the Bible. Let's look at first in Genesis chapter 6 through 8, and I'm going to move fast through here because I, I documented a lot of, lot of uh, instances where people were delivered. So listen to this. In um, Genesis chapter 6 through 8, we find the story of Noah. Genesis 6, 9 says, Noah was a just man, perfect in his, in his generation. Noah walked with God. Yet, we also find the earth was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their, their way on the earth. As a result of Noah, a just man finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. Look at verse 8. God instructed Noah to prepare an ark, not only for himself, but his wife, his sons, and their wives. And Noah was delivered from the flood. Now, let's look at Genesis 19, 12, 13. We find Lot was warned by the angels to depart from Sodom and Gomorrah 
before their, their uh, cities were destroyed. You see, that's where Lot was delivered. Now, look at Genesis 31. God delivered Jacob from, from Laban, who wanted to kill him. Uh, Jacob was again delivered by God in Canaan. That's Genesis 35. While they were in Egypt, the Israelites were delivered from famine, even though all the Egyptians were starving. Genesis 46 and 47. During the Passover, the Israelites were delivered from the plague in Exodus 12. After they left Egypt, the Israelites escaped Pharaoh's armies through the Red Sea, Exodus 14. In Joshua, we meet a woman named Rahab, a prostitute, who escaped from the utter destruction of Jericho. That's in Joshua 2, 6 and 25. In, um, in fact, if you look at Joshua 6, 25, you see this. Let's read this. Joshua, and really it was God, spared Rahab, the harlot, her, her, her father's household and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Now, this woman was A, not a Jew, and B, not even just by the objective standards. She was a prostitute, yet merely for her insight and understanding that the Lord of Israel was Lord of all, Joshua said in 2.14, we will, we will deal kindly and truly with you mm -hmm. because she believed God. See, God don't care about your mess, honey, when you find him. Honey, you can be a mass murderer. You can be a prostitute like Rahab. But if you believe God, he can deliver and transform you. You hear me? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And here is my point. She was not a Christian. Rahab was not even a Jew. And she was nowhere near righteous. Yet her one act of faith not only saved her, but her entire household, even to the point that her house was left standing on the wall where it says all that she had. When the rest of Jericho was crumbling and, and you want to tell me that, that God won't deliver his own children when he would deliver a, a pagan prostitute. No, you can't see, you can't run that past me. No, you, it won't fly with me. No. And see, there's a benefit of knowing God's word. There's a benefit. People won't be able to teach foolishness to you. Now, look at in, in, in uh, 1 Samuel 22 and 5, David was warned by the prophet of God to escape Saul. Elijah was delivered from Jezebel in, in 1 King 19. The remnant escaped in Ezekiel 689. Shadrach, Meshach, and go were protected and escaped from the fiery furnace in Daniel 3, 19, 25. We serve a God who can do it. You hear me? Daniel himself was rescued from the mouths of ravenous wolves and, and ravenous lions in Daniel 6. Daniel also prophesied that Edmond, Moab, and, and prominent people of, of Ammon shall escape in Daniel eleven forty one, and And Daniel in, in um, a prophecy... Daniel 12 and 1 promised that the people found written in the book would be delivered. In the book of, um, uh, let's look at this. Zerubbabel was to escape destruction as a, a signet ring. In Haggai 2, 22 and 23, you can't tell me God is not a deliverer. And he is no respecter of persons, so don't let nobody stand there in front of you and they got all these scriptures here to support God as a deliverer. He doesn't want you to suffer. The reason that he delivers is so that you won't suffer. That's the reason for the deliverance. 
Now, now so far, each of these escapes were either by the children of Israel or by people of cities who, re who uh, repented or otherwise showed their faith in God, as did Rahab. Now, you might argue that these were in the Old Testament. Well, guess what? Let's move to the New Testament. Jesus him himself escaped the mob in Nazareth in Luke 4, 29 and 30. And let's look at this. And the mob rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. That's in verse 30. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Oh, yeah, that's called deliverance. Okay, folks, that's called deliverance. Let's look at John. Um, John uh, recorded something similar, that when Jesus taught in the temple, no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. That's in John 8.20. Now, Jesus ex escaped again as he left the temple, 8.59. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so he passed by. Peter and John were delivered from prison in Acts 5.19. Saul escaped death by being lowered over a wall in a basket in Acts 9.25. I'm talking about we serve a deliverer. We serve someone who is a rewarder of those who seek him, not a punisher, a rewarder. Peter again was freed from jail in Acts 12, 5, 19. Paul and Silas were delivered from jail in Acts 16, 25, and 33. Now, this brings us to Paul, who was warned by the Holy Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. That's in Acts 21. Yet the people said, um, the will of the Lord be done. Acts 21, 14. We want to return to this in a few because it is possible that Paul had an instruction from God that he, he just didn't record. Now, um, however, it is worth noting that he did not indicate anywhere in scripture before this that God had instructed him to go to Jerusalem and Rome at that time. Now, quite the contrary. Both the disciples in Acts 21.4 and the prophet uh, Agabus in Acts 21.10.12 warned Paul saying, thus says the Holy Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. You hear me? Not to go to Jerusalem. Jesus instructed a lot of disciples in his time not to go in certain areas to preach the gospel because he foreknew what would happen. He foreknew some of them wanted to die for Jesus, but it wasn't a requirement. It was not a requirement. So we have here three possibilities. Either Paul was making this up, which is unlikely, or he misinterpreted God's message. And two separate sets of prophets were trying to clarify. <coughs> Excuse me. And that could be possible. Or he was indeed supposed to go to Jerusalem and ultimately, you know, Rome. But on God's but on God's timetable, not his own, which is plausible. Now, as I say, we will, you know, talk about Paul in a few. I'm sorry, in a fruit. Uh, I have a little cold, so I'm battling that. I'm trying to keep from coughing, but I'm going to get through this message today. OK, let's look at um, how Paul was delivered from a conspiracy uh, that to kill him in Jerusalem. That's in Acts 23, 11 to 22. You know, write these scriptures down so you can uh, read them and, and watch the, the hand of the Lord work. Okay, and Paul and all those aboard the ship 
was saved en route to Rome. That's in Acts 28, when that ship wrecked. All of their lives were spared. Now, finally, although I won't include it in, in um, the list of escapes, God also provided deliverance through the normal operations of men. In Acts 19, 40 and 41, Paul was saved when the civic leaders could find no reason to charge them with anything. Now, occasionally, we expect God's deliverance to be, you know, a parting of the Red Sea or, or manna from heaven. Yet the Father can work in, in, in simple, subtle ways, okay? Some, something simple that he can provide for you to deliver you, but you're just not taking it, you know? We have, uh, uh, God can be or uh, put sympathy on a jury to set people free, you know, or a POW rescued by a common citizen. It, it, yes, yes, God works like that. And he, he, he worked through people. You know, there's the story about a flood in a small town. And you guys probably heard this story where they had a Christian man was on his porch, on his porch as the first waters came by and a police cruiser, cruiser, uh, drove up. The policeman said, get in and, and we'll take you out of here. And the man replied, that's okay. God will provide an escape. I know y'all heard this story before. And then less than an hour later, he was on the second story of his house because the water was rising. And, and then the police came by in a boat and said, hey, get in. We're here to rescue you. And the man says, no, that's okay. God is going to provide a way. Mm-hmm. Y'all get where I'm going? And then finally, as the waters rose uh, to the top of this man's chimney, a helicopter hovered over him and said, hey, grab the rope. We're here to rescue you. And he said again, don't worry about it. God will provide. Now, shortly after that, the man drowned. Now, when he reached heaven, he got upset with God and then yelled, started yelling at God saying, why didn't you rescue me? Shaking his head, God said, what more did you want me to do? I sent you a police car, a boat, and a helicopter. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, honey. We got to pay attention to the signs. God will never leave you in a situation where he don't provide you a way out. You better read 1 Corinthians. Oh, yes. 1 Corinthians. Now, God's escape can be as massive as an earthquake or as common as an unlocked door. Don't ignore the routine deliverance in the presence or in the process of waiting for fireworks. Don't do it. And, 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 um, I want to share just a little bit more with you because in addition to those who did escape, the scriptures say a great deal about believers who will escape. Let's look at first Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16 and 17. Now it describes the return of Jesus. Listen to this in which we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him with with them the dead in christ is the them uh first Thessalonians is talking about in the clouds to meet the lord in the air now paul says in second thessalonians 3 1 through 2 to pray for him and his and in his assistance that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith now i want you to think about what paul just said Paul didn't say that the people of Thessalonica could pray that Paul and his companions suffer, but rather that they be delivered. Now, 
if it is God's will that we suffer, why didn't Paul say, now brothers and sisters, pray that we may endure suffering for Christ's sake? Now it is true that in 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, Paul admonishes Timothy to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Well, how do soldiers endure hardship? They train, they fight, they aren't as, as a matter of, of course, it's expected to be sick. It is true that sometimes even the best quartermaster corpse cannot keep all the soldiers fed and well clothed, but it is not the army's intention that they go hungry. Never, because you can't fight if you're weak. If you don't eat, if you don't feed your physical body, you will get weak. And if you don't drink enough fluids and uh, in a certain amount of time, you will find yourself in an early grave. Mm -mm. No, the army wants them well fed and well clothed so they will be the best possible soldiers in the field. Now, if all those 27 examples were not enough, the one that most sticks out, and I'm talking about the scripture, the scripture that, that, that sticks out the most is in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 7.15, and it applies to all us. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt. Now that seems pretty clear to me. God does not want us to endure any diseases, not for him, not for Jesus, and certainly not for our own spiritual growth and development. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Now let's, let's examine Hebrews 11, 30 and 35 and see what it says in context. Uh-huh. Let's see what it says in context. <coughs> Let me drink a little water here. My throat is getting a little dry. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, let's see verse 30 first. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled seven days. Verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of, G of Gideon and Barak and Simon, I'm, I'm sorry, and Samson and, and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Uh, let's, verse 33. Verse 33 says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped, with, stopped the mouth of lions. Verse 34, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight. The, uh, I'm sorry, <coughs> turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, according to the concept of suffering, some are delivered and some not delivered, according to the will and plan of God, this is a concept widely taught. Oh, it, it, it hurts my heart to know people are receiving this because that's why a lot of people stay in suffering and, and they don't activate their faith. 
Faith is not taught in a lot of these churches, people. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. You got to get that. Why ignore those scriptures? Why? Why would you ignore without faith? It is impossible to please God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You hear the word of God. Now you got to receive it. People, you got to receive it. Now, if this concept is, is widely taught and it is as, as, as phony as a $6 bill, you hear me people. Now, the amazing thing is this, generally speaking, scripture interprets itself in a lot of instances. You can see in this verse what the scripture is actually saying. Look at verse 35. Women receive their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Now, what does that mean? It obviously means that deliverance was there, but they did not take it. They refused to accept it. Why? The verse concludes that they thought they might obtain a better resurrection. Boy, and see, that's what false teaching does to people. Man, I tell you, it's uh, even though I've read this stuff before and studied it so that I can share it with you guys, it's still, you know, it still has a, a, a devastating impact on my spirit when I speak it. You know, now, now let's deal with this issue separately. First and foremost, clearly they had deliverance. Let's, let's get that out of the way. They, they had deliverance. They had a way of escape. So God was as faithful to them as he was to everyone else. Now, they did not accept it. Again, it is important that you read this verse in conjunction with 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Because if you read one verse, it don't cancel out the other one. This one must have another meaning. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, which means trial or test, has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That you may be able to overcome it. He provides the way of escape for you to be delivered from it. Remember the man who was in the flood here. God sent him three, three ways to escape it so that he wouldn't drown. And he was waiting for the skies to open up. Uh-huh. God always provides a way out, people. You just have to be vigilant and you have to be diligent and you have to know his word to know when he provides an escape for you to, to at least dodge that suffering. God doesn't want you to suffer. Uh-uh. He makes a way of escape. Uh-huh. Now, right away, we see that God's intention here is that you take this way of escape. They had it too. If they wanted it. Now, some teachers would say, well, uh, Dr. Kamala D, you know, the deliverance referred to in Hebrews. Um, it, it means that the Romans would, would spare their lives if they renounced Jesus and embraced the pagan gods. Now, here's the thing. If we did not have 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that might be a possibility. But baby, we have 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I want to note in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that it says God who will also make the way of escape. And God 
is not going to give you an out that condemns you to hell. You understand that? God is not going to give you an out or an escape that's going to condemn you to hell. So the deliverance spoken of in Hebrews could not possibly be an earthly deliverance provided by men or, or, or by the government. Nope. It had to be from Father God himself. Now, the scripture in Hebrews says that uh, they did not take the deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. They chose this torture to obtain this better resurrection. There are several problems with this. We have no record of any better resurre resurrection, by the way. You know, I haven't for the foggiest idea what that might mean. Mm -mm, I don't know. Mm -mm. Now, would these people receive martyr's crowns? Most assuredly, if they were in Christ. But notice the words might obtain, implying now that it isn't a done deal. And, and, and there is enough vagueness excuse me, in, in the word might that, you know, this could easily be their interpretation of what they were doing. They might or, or they might not, you know, it remained to be seen. Now they had no evidence they would receive a better resurrection. No, they didn't. In other words, it is entirely reasonable to interpret this verse as saying that these people acted on their own you know, hoping their love of the Lord will be rewarded as, as opposed to acting on a specific instruction from God that they should suffer and die. You know, either way, whether the better resurrection was in fact a revelation involving heavenly rewards that they got from God or whether it was something they made up, which, which sounds like the, the, um, I think that's what it was. Okay. I, I think that's what it was. Now, but at the end of the day, it was their choice and clearly not God's choice, you know, for them to do that. You know, free will always permits a choice, people. You can certainly choose to die for Jesus. That's your choice. And with many choices, there is a price to be paid for the way out. You may have to run. You may have to hide. You might have to, you, you may even have to leave the country. If you choose to stay and risk getting arrested, you have made a choice. At, at that time, anyway, you may pray for deliverance. Some time ago, there were two young female missionaries in Afghanistan, you guys may have heard about this, who were captured and held by the Taliban for a long period before finally being released. Now, they knew going in that their preaching of the gospel violated the laws of that society, and that if the government so chose, it could arrest them. So it was their choice to go there. Now, praise God, once they were captured, they were delivered. You know, the point I'm trying to make here is that we often see the result of a number of decisions and throw everything off on God. We accuse God of a lot of things the devil doing and a lot of things the devil is convincing us to do. You know, but every decision that was made prior to that time was the result of our freedom. God has provided deliverance for all of us. God has provided the way of escape. Now, you need to know it. It, it is there. You know, that is, uh, and I'm talking about escape. It's available for all of us. And that the choice to accept it or reject it is ours. 
but that is the message of salvation, isn't it? Is, isn't salvation made available to everybody? And uh, Jesus had offered uh, eternal life to everyone, but we either must choose or accept it. And I'm telling you people, it is not God's will for us to suffer. And if somebody share that with you, you need to pull out 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and read it to them. And I want to read that one more time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse, verse 13. No temptation, and you need to know what temptation means. It means trial or test. Has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. Do you hear me? God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So don't let nobody come to you and tell you that it is God's will for you to suffer because it's not. Jesus did all the suffering for us on the, on the cross. Oh yes, he did. Jesus died not only so that we may have forgiveness of sins, and eternal life with God. All we have to do is believe in him. He died so that we can be delivered from poverty, sickness, and spiritual damnation. And he suffered persecution. That we will suffer. As long as people know we are Christian and we walking in the fruit of the spirit, we, gonna su we will suffer persecution from our own. Yes, well, bring it on. Bring on the persecution. Bring it on. But what I'm going to do is protect myself with my faith and I'm going to fight with the word of God. See, the word of God is our weapon. Our faith is our protection. But if you don't know the word of God, you can't protect yourself and you can't use it as a weapon. The devil will beat you down. That's why he don't want you studying. He don't want you hearing the truth. See, I made a vow to God. I'm going to teach the truth until I breathe my last breath. Oh, yes. Because it is the truth that sets you free. Now, I hope you enjoyed this. Stand by for a brief message. I hope you were blessed by this message. If you would like to show your financial support, please sow your seed into this good ground. We teach the truth and that's good ground, saints. Go to my Anchor, Spotify, or Breaker home pages. Click on the support this podcast button and contribute an amount of your choice. And if you have any questions or comments about this episode or past episodes, please send your questions or comments to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Tomorrow, I will teach a message entitled, How Does God Chasten His Children? It is a sequel to how Christians can move away from suffering. Now until next time, saints, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.